Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. Barroom Network. I'm Salim Sutterwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Chula Jr. Hey, Ed, how's it going, man? How was your morning? Hey, it's going well. We were just talking about uh, football before we started recording, so uh, kind of a day of just kind of relaxing, watching, maybe watching Bears <laughs> football, but uh, everything is good with me. We're coming up on, uh, what, maybe a few weeks until uh, training camp begins and like less than 30 days, I believe, until the regular season starts, so uh, basketball is... Uh, gonna be back in swing really soon, even though it doesn't feel like it's been gone for too long. But yeah, I'm I'm doing well. How about you? Pretty well, pretty well. I was thinking like you know it's been four months since we last saw the Bulls play, mm-hmm. and all these moves that have been, that have happened, it's kind of been like we're all been itching to to watch them again. And just watching, I don't know about you, but like when you're when I'm watching some of these workout videos, just like these scrimmages and these guys putting in work and off season work with like, you see Zach with like Caruso and DeMar and then him just hopping around with his new teammates uh, to get some work in. You kind of get hyped up. I don't know. I'm just kind of like, this gets me a lot more hyped out. I, I don't know how you've been looking at those videos. <laughs> yeah. Every, every image they post, they're smiling while shooting a jump shot. And I'm just like, man, I don't remember like ever like being so happy shooting jumpers. So I don't know. <laughs> like they're just like no, che- they're just yeah. cheesing like smiling and cheesing while they're dunking so it's <laughs> no i know they're embellishing a little bit but no it's definitely uh it's definitely a good time to be a bulls fan and the season is going to be uh, hopefully really fun i mean again we have a lot of new faces the team dynamic is going to be different and uh i'm just excited again that there's going to be some games that are actually on like TV that I don't necessarily need league pass to see. So, I mean, that's a good part of it as a fan. So just being able to come home and hopefully see a competitive game, see the Bulls beat some good teams, that's going to be a lot of value this season. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, 100%. But obviously the the veterans that we added, like this – so out of the last season we added Vucevic was an all-star uh, starting center. You have added DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball, who DeMar was just recently, not too long ago, an all-star, but he's someone who's a very capable uh, guy in this league who's been around in this league for a while, has playoff experience. Lonzo, obviously, he's still a developing player, but he's he's one of those guys that is a high-impact, positive-impact player, uh, even at only at the age of 23. So you've added those guys and two guys that we've consistently been int- intrigued about as far as the future of this team, or I shouldn't say this is the future, not only, but 
kind of the ceiling for this team that could make a difference, you know, how, how much better this team could get are Kobe White and Patrick Williams. And be, I, I thought, we, you know, we decided it would be a good idea to kind of look into how their development, not only next season and uh, next season, I should say, but next season and beyond uh, would affect what the Bulls can really do and what, how we how we can see potentially the development uh, go about. And then also, I think, uh, with our guest that we're going to have on, I uh, thought it would be a good idea to get his uh, thoughts on some of the uh, 2021 draft uh, picks, the rookies that are coming into the to the league. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's bring our guests in. Uh, Corey Tullabo, we've had, it on, had him on for quite a few episodes. Uh, he's he's t- generally a, a, a regular with us, uh, with the Hardwood Mag, and he also does the Draft Act podcast. Uh, fantastic podcast. If anyone hasn't listened to it yet, I highly recommend it. But uh, Corey, thanks so much for joining us, man. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm fellas. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm stoked to be on, man. Uh, I'm doing awesome. I got my coffee. It's a beautiful day in uh, on Long Island, New York. And I mean, you know, I, I cover the draft uh, so much of the year. And anytime I get to actually talk about the Bulls and the young prospects in the draft. Um, since I'm a, you know, bleeding heart Bulls fan, it's, it's always, uh, something I can get extra excited about. And especially this show in particular, because, you know, every time I come on, I mention it, you guys were the first kind of real media I I did. And, um, so it's, it feels like home here. So I'm, I'm stoked to be here guys. Thank you for having me. Always love having you, Corey. Always love having you. Always have some great breakdowns too. And, uh, yeah, definitely want to get your thoughts later on, uh, not just the 2021 draft prospects, but maybe even a question or two about what we can expect from 2022 as well. So, uh, yeah, that'll be fun to talk about. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, let's, let's get into it. We'll, we'll start with Kobe white, uh, as far as his development's concerned, obviously last season was a, up and down season, I would say, for Kobe. I mean, overall, you see what his skill sets are. He's like a microwave scorer, good spot-up three-point shooter, uh, but inconsistent, like off the dribble, turnover-prone, you know, can play out of contact, control a little bit um, on offense. And most of this we're starting off on talking about his offense in general. Uh, and obviously more comfortable creating for himself but he did show some improvements. I, f- I feel like later in the season as a playmaker, uh, I thought he wasn't zeroing in on the basket as much, like with the t- with getting tunnel vision when he was driving. I, I did see him do simple plays like the, the the drive and kick plays. I feel like he did a little bit better on as uh, later in the season. Um, and definitely overall more like a combo guard right now. Now, when we've added all these players like DeMar and Lonzo that – take the ball out of Kobe's hand. Um, you know, his job will more likely still be a spark plug off the bench, uh, a spot up shooter. Um, and, and maybe sometimes he'll get to handle the ball, but he'll have less responsibility with the ball in sands overall. So how, how do you see his development as a playmaker happening going forward? And as far as his uh, offensive uh, production is concerned. How do you see that developing as well? Yeah, I agree with you that I think that he definitely made strides as a playmaker. I mean, he was 
almost at five assists a game. And, you know, he had a little bit over a two to one assist to turnover ratio. And his big thing was, like you said, like he was in the beginning of the season and even at the end of the season, he's missing a lot of like basic reads. He wasn't able to make a lot of the like advanced weak side hits necessarily um, because he does get tunnel vision sometimes. But I think that the way that the roster is constructed now, it will really benefit him and his growth as a player, because, you know, he'll be coming off the bench um, when the whole roster is healthy, playing off of these guys who actually are positive playmakers. And it's putting him in a position to thrive and, and play to his strengths. He doesn't have to worry about quarterbacking the offense. He can he can kind of just do what he does well, um, which are areas that he needs to improve at, even the things that he does do well. But I think that the roster is going to be great for him. He doesn't even have to necessarily be the best player off the bench uh, or the best guard off the bench on every night because I think that you know Caruso is going to have nights where he can carry a little bit too. So I, I think just having the weight off his shoulder because Kobe was never meant to be this you know number one, maybe even number two option uh, necessarily. And I, I think when he started showing these signs of that, his rookie year, the last like 10 games or so, maybe we got a little bit too excited about what he could potentially do. And maybe he was just going through like a crazy run that didn't necessarily mean anything. Bulls fans have been known to do that from time to time. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think I love where he's, he's at coming off the bench, just like, Hey man, knock down open shots. Cause he's, I feel much more comfortable with him shooting off the catch than the bounce, you know, even though he can get hot doing that too, when he has it going, you can just let it ride and tell him, you know, put the ball in his hands and let him do the things that he kind of got better at last year, but he's a complimentary player and, and every team needs good complimentary players. And he went from a guy that was one of the most important players on our team to like, the back end of importance for like the rotation players that we're really going to rely on consistently. And especially coming off of, you know, his shoulder injury, like, I don't know what he's necessarily able to work on. I know he talked about his body, but as far as skill wise, I don't know how, you know, much he's been able to do with that. So if he could just focus on being a consistent shooter, uh, then, and knocking stuff down, getting out, using his speed as a weapon instead of a detriment, uh, I think that he's he's going to be a great kind of change of pace guard. And we got a lot of guys in the starting lineup who, you know, play a little bit slower. And you could put some of the guys in the starting lineup, like Lonzo and Zach uh, and Pat, with him and play a little faster, uh, you know, when he comes in. So I, I think it's going to add a really interesting dynamic to the team. And um, I'm, I'm excited for Kobe in year three, even though I, I wouldn't be shocked if he did start a little slow just based on, you know, the injury. So you think this is good for just not only what he can potentially add to the Bulls in these next few seasons, or at least while he's here, but good for his NBA career, because as you mentioned, he's probably not a guy that you want taking a ton of shots. I mean, he could be a starter in certain situations or on certain teams, yeah. depending on the lineup. But you think this is good for potentially launching his NBA career into being a full blown six man long term? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I look at like all of the good or historic like six men of in recent years, like Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford and these guys, like their first teams where they're you were maybe thinking that they could be this player that you relied on to be like an integral part of your uh, offensive attack out of like the starting lineup, it, you know, you kind of, 
realize looking back in hindsight that they were never really meant for that. And, you know, in a lot of situations, like with Jamal Crawford's run with the bulls, like he was kind of the guy, you know, the, while he was here until he went to the Knicks. And when you start getting to the better teams, like with guys who are actually proven that they can carry, it's no longer a hypothetical. And, you know, to me, like Kobe, maybe he doesn't want to be a six man, but ultimately, like, I think that that's what he's going to be, whether it is in Chicago or elsewhere. And I I think that he could be one of the best six men in the league because he does have that ability to just cook like out of nowhere. And that's not something that is like every player has. He has that ability to absolutely take over a game. And, and that's valuable. And when he doesn't have it going, he could, you know, if he learns, he develops to slow down a little bit and use that speed to his advantage. He could still be like a contributing player. And that's what happens with a lot of these guys who are kind of known as chuckers early on. They slow down and understand they're still getting their shots up for sure, but they kind of, the rest of the game slows down for him. So I think this puts him in a position where like, maybe the game will slow down a little bit for him. It's year three. It's a big year for every young player. That's kind of when you see like a jump. That's when the game should have slowed down. You're, you know, you're starting to get towards becoming a veteran instead of a young player at that point. And um, I think that he's playing with real guys now. Like I know this is like, I'm a big DeRozan fan. He's a guy that I think everyone's been way too low on. He, you know, the Spurs were whatever the, the ninth or 10th seed last year, but like, he was the best player on that team leading them to the playing game in the West. So now he's not what you could argue. He's the third best player on the Bulls, second best, whatever you want to argue. Um, Vucevic is a real guy. And these are all guys that Kobe fits, you know, his style playing off of. He, he play, he, he'll be able to play off Lonzo. I don't know. All the guys that the Bulls brought in, I think Kobe kind of slides in next to. He, he is, it is easy because he's an off ball guy um, that you could play him off off of a bunch of players. So I I think this is, this is perfect for him. He doesn't have to feel like he needs to create everything. And hopefully he takes the things that he learned with the ball in his hands last year and is able to do that a little bit too. And if he can blend those worlds, I think it's great for his development. Uh, You know, he's, I think that any dream of him being an all-star is probably, you know, just rose colored glasses, but that doesn't mean that he can't be a high impact guy. If he learns to utilize all the strengths that he has, because he does have strengths. He really does. So I think this is a good context for him. Now, now when we look at him defensively. Now that was obviously a big struggle last season. Um, I think part of it had to do with him. That's not being strong enough. Uh, mm-hmm. He needs to add a weight. And I think we've heard this off season that that's what he's kind of been focused on is even after his, injury once once he worked through the rehab he's been kind of focused on you know hitting hitting in gym and doing these different things to kind of bulk up a little bit um and last season again when we talk about his defense a lot of times especially in the pick and roll uh he would get caught in every screen i feel like every time you would see kobe trailing behind the defender or as a defender i should say and that was a lot of problems as far as him as a point of attack guy. Uh, how do you see that development happening this season? Like, do you foresee where he has an opportunity? And on the bench, there's a lot of more ver- versatility as defensive versatility on the bench uh, this season. 
So, and especially even with, in our starting lineup, when you have a guy like Lonzo, and then obviously, like I said, on the bench, you have a guy like Caruso, and then all these six to six, seven to six, eight, like combo three, four wings uh, that they've added uh, as well that could, you know, provide versatility defensively. So, how do you see his defensive development happening? going into this season and further on and how much better do you think he could really get? Yeah. I mean, he was a a disaster last year, right? So (laughs) I mean, and uh, you know, he's, he's injured and there's not too many guys that are putting out hype tapes on Instagram about trying to figure out how to get over a screen the proper way. (laughs) And um, so hopefully the strength helps. Uh, I I'll say that I didn't see anything last year that, makes me optimistic about that. But like you said, the Bulls addressed in the off season with their moves that they made and the guys that they acquired, like they, they addressed the fact that like, all right, well now you could put Kobe off ball. He doesn't necessarily have to be the point of attack defender, every single possession and just be run through ball screens a hundred times a game. Like Caruso is elite at that. Uh, Lonzo will be better at that. So it's not just like you relying at, on Zach and Kobe to take turns getting, uh, run through pick and rolls. Now we got guys and, and if Billy uh, does a good job scheming, he'll be able to hide Kobe. Um, I I mean, look with Kobe, you just want him to be able to not kill you. And if, if you are hiding him, that means you're putting him off ball. And now it's like, all right, let's figure out if this guy's going to learn how to make all the proper rotations. So for me, hopefully the strength helps in getting over screens. Hopefully he's not just relying on strength and letting himself get hit by screens. Hopefully he's also working on stepping over early. I mean, especially playing in that drop, you know, if you can anticipate stepping over early, the best way to uh, make sure that they can't get into their stuff is to blow up the screen before the screen takes place. So hopefully he's, he's working on that a little bit. And if they do get over the screen and he's trailing, hopefully, you know, he's anticipating a little bit earlier, taking the bump and uh, you know, coming off tight on the trails. But I think that's going to be something that, we're not going to see until he's on the court because, you know, it's in the off season. Nobody's nobody's showing that on their highlight reels. They're, they're <laughs> showing all the jumpers and, you know, right. Maybe nope. some nope. runs or whatever, but uh, I'm not necessarily optimistic for Kobe doing that, but I am less concerned about it because the bulls address those concerns in the off season with their free agent moves. Is there anything about when you were going through, your draft evaluations of Kobe White a few years back. Is there anything about you that's, or not about you, but about him that's surprised you in terms of what he's looked like so far? Or is it basically, you know, a mirror, just kind of a mirror of everything that you saw when you were studying his tape? I actually thought he was going to be a little bit better defensively. I thought that he did really well staying with guys, moving his feet, um, you know, being quick to the spots, but again, you know, the NBA game's so much faster that some of that at college was probably just a speed advantage that he had. Uh, whereas he still has a lot of that speed advantage, but it's much less of a distance, you know, with NBA guys. So I thought he was going to be a little bit more solid on that end. Um, offensively, he's kind of exactly what I thought he was going to be. Like when the bulls drafted him, I was like, okay, that's fine. Like that was my reaction. I wasn't hot or cold on it. He, you know, I thought he was one of the best players in that little lumped up group where they took him. I kind of expected it because everybody expected the Bulls to take a point guard. Garland was off the board. So it was just like, all right, 
let's hope for the best. And, uh, but I think he's kind of been exactly what I thought he was going to be. I mean, at, if he takes a leap and if he was playing in the right roster construction, you could easily see him being some kind of like Jamal Murray kind of scorer, uh, maybe not playoff Jamal Murray, but you know, you, I guess I, I could have seen that um, kind of developmental arc. Now it's a little, it's a little less looking like he's going to hit that, that point. But I, I think that, you know, he's right where I, I expected him to be, which is kind of like, yeah, fine, I guess. Which I guess is kind of how the better moves of the Garpax tenure kind of ended. Like, all right, cool. Yeah, we got Sadaransky. Awesome. Like, <laughs> so uh, I mean, I there wasn't, I wasn't like crazy stoked on it, um, but I also wasn't bummed out. I, th- I think he's right where where I always personally expected him to be. Yeah, I, yeah. The defense is definitely surprising too. Like, I didn't expect him to be like this amazing defender, but like you, I thought he played like pretty solid team defense at UNC and his catch and shoot ability has really translated. Like it, it feels, it feels like damn near anytime he just gets the ball and just rises up and shoots, like it's going in. Like he just has yeah. one of the better like catch and shoot strokes that I've seen in the league. So yeah, all of that has really translated well. Yeah. And he was I, never a guy, like even though he got downhill, he was never a guy that was like, you're expecting to get to the line a ton. Yeah. Uh, obviously that's something that could take his game offensively to a new level as a scorer. If he just learned how to, you know, take twice as many trips to the line. Cause I mean, he, he was at 90% last year and he's probably more of like a, a mid to high eighties free throw shooter overall, but on higher volume, but like, that's an incredible number. And for a guy who takes a lot of tough shots, that was something that like he just needed to mix in. And he hasn't done that yet. So offensively, I, I, I hope that he does that. But there was never anything to suggest that that was kind of like the way he played, you know, as, as speedy as he was getting downhill. You know, he settled for a lot of like off balance floaters, stuff like that. Uh, so, I, I mean, hopefully he can. That's one of the things he's working on as well, because he's a good shooter when he's set and he takes his time. and He's not forcing the issue. And, and his speed is a, a weapon when he allows it to be. And part of that is his ability to get downhill. And that strength again is something that that could help him there. So he's got a lot of ways to improve. It's, it's just going to be, what is the, the mental part upstairs tell him to do in certain situations? If he could figure that part out, I think he could utilize all the tools that he has, but if he doesn't, then a lot of those tools are going to remain in the toolbox and, you know, are just going to go unused. Yeah. I I think it's, his athletic ability. So you talk about his speed, like end to end speed is one of the fastest in the league. Yeah. Um, and I think he needs to learn how to use that to his advantage. Cause right now he kind of just goes a hundred miles an hour at times mm-hmm. without stopping. Um, he's not very explosive off the ground. I think that's what hurts him when he's attacking the basket, because against when he, when you're going against the trees at, at, at the rim, and you can't really explode out the ground as a six three six four guy. That's going to hurt you as far as a finisher is concerned. So I think one thing I'd like to see him do offensively with his with his speed is kind of learn learn to do like the a little more of the hezzy moves to try to because if he can if he can get the the defender off guard and then use his speed to kind of get by him and. Like you said, maybe get that floater going. 
I think that could be beneficial to him as well. Yeah. I mean, he's very like herky jerky with his speed. You know, it's like, he's like, even when he comes to a start stop, it's more like when you slam on the brakes of your car rather than like easing into the, like when you watch like CJ McCollum or something, who's like super shifty and he's going at all these different speeds and it's slow, it's to fast. And, and with Kobe, it's just like fast stop fast again like he he doesn't have the nuance of the learning all the different gears it's just he's using just a couple and uh yeah if he can if he could figure out how to change and play with the speeds it's going to totally benefit him because that's it he has the tool he has the speed as a weapon but like he uses it sometimes as a to his detriment as well like it's awesome to have a fast car but if you don't know how to drive it you can't get all the benefits out of it so he's just got to learn how to drive the speed and like it's the third season, a lot of times that's where, where these players learn that, um, at the lower levels, he could have just been faster than everybody. And, and it didn't really, he didn't need to use the change of speed all that much. Now he needs to learn how to change speeds. He's not, he's faster than everybody mostly, but not that much faster. You know, he's, he's not like a prime Derek Rose level of fast. And even Derek was great at the the change of speeds and stop start stops and change of directions. And um, that's so far away that people forget just how good he was, but Kobe's never, he's not at that elite level. He's just like, he's just very fast instead of like lightning quick. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, I think you're correct. He needs to, he needs to learn how to hone it and, and drive that car the right way. As, as far as agility is concerned, that's something that could, body control and thing that's what probably comes into play um as far as him learning to hone his speed right yeah i think so i mean uh there's there's so many (laughs) different things that you figure you could do to kind of work on that smoothness and, and coordination but that's something that like i don't know if that's those are the type of skills that you just like one day it clicks and you got i feel like it's like a a process but hopefully we see it trending in that direction where he kind of, he learns the agility and, and all the bodies contortions get a little smoother. Um, you know, maybe he needs to do some yoga and work on flexibility. Uh, but I, I think that we just need to be patient, patient with a lot of that stuff throughout the year. Uh, because you know, he's, he doesn't have a real off season with this injury. Like, like he normally would to work on everything. So whatever he can work on, let's hope that that's the stuff that we see right away. And the rest of the stuff, we just see a gradual build uh, this year. Yeah. And someone who will be having a full, well, is having a full off season is Patrick Williams. Now he's not entering his third season, but entering his second season, I do feel like he's going to come in with a lot more expectations than Kobe white is. And he'll be in the starting lineup, presumably alongside all of the bigger names on the team. And, Last season, I think Patrick Williams had a a pretty solid rookie season. Nothing absolutely spectacular, but I think he played really good defense. There were some occasional scoring flashes that we saw. Athleticism looked good. Uh, Just just looked like a a pretty encouraging draft pick to start off the uh, new Bulls regime. So what do you expect from Patrick Williams in his second season? He is coming into a similar situation as Kobe White where he's not going to be asked to be the guy He's going to be the fifth best player in the starting lineup, so he can continue to play his game. He can defend. We'll get. He'll probably get a lot more open shots. 
this season as well. So hopefully his shooting stroke is improved too. So what are you looking to see from Patrick Williams? And do you think he takes another step this upcoming season? I think that if he takes a step, it's going to be a lot less noticeable in like the statistics, mm-hmm. you know, like I can't see him getting that many more shot opportunities outside of just like playing more minutes. You know, if he gets to like 34, 35 minutes a game, I think, you know, he'll have some more shot opportunities, but like we brought in an, another high volume scorer. Uh, you know, obviously you have Vucevic, like he's going to be what, like your fourth option in the starting lineup probably. And some, some nights the fifth. So I think his raw statistics maybe aren't going to take a huge leap. Um, and his percentages were at, were pretty good last year. Like to expect him to shoot more than 39% from uh, behind the line is expecting a lot. He was at 48% from the floor. I just kind of want him to play his game and be like the ultimate kind of utility player. I just, I want to see him obviously be a little bit more aggressive. You know, we saw what that looked like a little bit in the summer league where he kind of was able to take charge, but ultimately I don't think the summer league role that he had is the role that we're going to see this year. Cause like I said, like even when we go to a bench unit, like we have Kobe coming off the bench there. Like that's, that's a guy who's going to take a lot of the the shots and replace whoever Kobe's replacing in the starting lineup. So I, I just want him to, to do him. I, I know that like Bulls fans are so excited about him and want him to become Kawhi Leonard. And even Kawhi Leonard was not Kawhi Leonard in year two. You know, Kawhi was still playing kind of a similar role. Maybe the paddle play this year, like he still, he was still playing with all those veteran guys who had been there for so long and being just like, go lock down, defend the best guy and, and offensively, just take smart shots. And I kind of want that for, for Patrick Williams. I don't think there's any rush to make him into this number one option that looks like, you know, every modern three, four, you know, combo wing that hopefully one day he gets to that when, when some of these older guys start, you know, slipping a little bit, but he's still so young. He was a year younger than everybody in his class. So like, he's basically the age of a rookie this year. There's no rush with him. He just just let him come along at his own pace. You know, I think that forcing him to be aggressive, maybe that's not even the right move. Like he's sometimes you can't force a switch in personality. And if he could, you know, use that focus and 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 that quiet demeanor like Kawhi, then great. But I just want him to be a guy who's contributing to the team, playing in you know inside that team structure. And not trying to listen to the outside noise of people that I think that even if the Bulls are playing well, if Pat's kind of doing what he did last year, just a little bit more nuanced because he's got more experience, I think you might even hear some noise that like he's not taking a jump when he could be taking a jump, learning where to be on defense when he's off ball a little bit more more so and and being more decisive maybe with some of his movements and, and his shots. And that and like I said, the stats might not look different, but I think he can make a jump without making a numerical jump. And I just want him to help. I think the bulls are going to be good. I'm one of the, maybe I'm a Homer. Everybody seems to think they're going to suck. I think that he just needs to, to play his role this year. And he's got plenty of time to take those leaps. It's like this, this scoring type. I just want him to do the things that he's good, you know, that he's good at and continue developing the, the three point shot. I don't, I want him to one day be able to hit that off the bounce 
but it's going to take a while, you know? Um, so I just want him to come along at his own pace and, and at the pace that the bulls, I think are going to bring him along at, I, I don't want the noise on the forums and NBA Twitter and all that to be like, Pat needs to be this kind of guy. Cause we don't know if he actually is that yet. So, so you're saying he's so, not going to be Kawhi Leonard next year. Yeah, probably not next year. Uh, okay. Probably not. I can't <laughs> well, say for sure. But... Pick. Man. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me throw this at you then. So, uh, and I, I've mentioned his name a bunch when talking about the type of role. And granted, I'm sure there are differences in player too. But when you look at Jeremy Grant and what he did in Denver, and I know he came off the bench uh, a lot in Denver, but in his lone season there, he averaged 12 points, three boards, an assist. But he shot about 3.5 threes per game at about 38.9%. Is, is that something, I, I guess the, the numbers are trivial, but is that the type of role, I guess, that you could say would be a success if Patrick Williams can do something around that as like a Jeremy Grant in Denver? Absolutely. I think okay. that's actually a great example and like kind of type of impact to shoot for. Maybe Grant will have more of a defensive impact because I mean, at that point, how many years had he been in the league? You know, he, he knew that part of it a little bit more, but I think that there's definitely uh, some synergy there with the way that Grant played with a guy like Jokic to how like Patrick Williams can play with a guy like Vucevic in the front court. It's obviously slightly different, but there are some shades of similarities there and how they fit. And uh, you know, Grant, obviously Jack of all trades, Swiss army knife kind of defender, can guard up or down because he has that kind of size. And I think that, you know, Patrick Williams is even thicker than Jeremy Grant was. So um, I think that's a, that's a great example of what I hope we get out of Pat. Like the numbers aren't blowing you away. It's not all-star stuff, but it's just like this dude is like every team wants him as a role player. Every good team, every championship contender would love to have a Jeremy Grant. And then like, if, when you give him a bigger role, you know, like you had with the Pistons, he put up these monster numbers, right? Um, maybe the efficiency slipped a little bit, but he showed that he has more to his bag when he's given a bigger role. Pat doesn't need that bigger role right now. We went out and did a whole bunch of damage in free agency. So he could, I think, play that Jeremy Grant role perfectly if if that's what he puts his mind to. I, I do think defensive would be the most important for him next season and his development would be kind of the key and how, and, and how much how good the bulls can be defensively as a team in general. So, and how do you see, so how do you see the switch to the four uh, benefiting him more this season? Because last season, obviously he had to be on the perimeter a lot, a little more than I thought he'd probably be comfortable in. And looking at stuff that he did in Florida state, he was good as a help side defender at the rim a lot of times. So how, how do you see that development happening this season from defensively? Like I said, when he's going to be probably playing the four more than he steps out onto the perimeter. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely his more natural position and what people projected him to be. I think that he did a better job out on the perimeter than most people thought he would. Uh, because although I thought I saw a ton of great flashes in his perimeter ability at Florida State when he stepped out, I think most people were more down on that. So when he was able to show that he could slide his feet, um, and stay with some of those guys. It was a plus, And obviously that's great going forward, but that's even more beneficial when he's at the power forward spot, because 
now there's not like a crazy speed advantage for people that maybe are playing, uh, you know, a shooting guard at small forward and he's trying to stay with them. Now, now he's playing a lot of the guys that are going to be more his size and he'll have that advantage. He's, he's built perfectly. He's so strong. Um, he's long. And like you mentioned, the, the weak side stuff, that's the stuff that really impressed me when he was at Florida state. Like, you know, he was able to really, really clean up a lot of the messes. And now it's kind of the same thing with Kobe. I mean, the NBA floor is bigger. So if you're on the weak side, you got more ground to cover. Um, you know, when, whether you're at the the spot underneath the hoop, um, or splitting the, the shooters on the weak side, like it's, it's a little bit harder to do at the NBA level, but the great players are able to do it. He's got the athleticism and the tools, the, the quick jumping ability. So now it's, it's, again, it's the mental part. He's got the physical part. It's what did you learn as a rookie? And can you take that and make it better in your second year? It's a lot of responsibility to put on a second year player. And he's sandwiched in the front court in between two guys who don't necessarily have the best defensive reputation. I think Vucevic is probably a little underrated in that regard. DeRozan, they're probably spot on about his defensive capabilities, but he's going to have a lot of responsibility and it's, it's going to be really important that he steps up and takes that challenge. And that's another reason that I think that, it's important to be like, okay, if he's not throwing up monster offensive numbers, because I think for him, the defense is way more important. We're going to score a ton of points. So if he could focus his energy and play defense, I mean, that would be amazing. I, I, like I'm hoping that this guy is like our Luel Deng one day, you know, where he's he just so valuable on that end and you could always rely on him to do the right thing. That's what I hope that Pat turns into because he has all of the tools that, that can make that happen. Mm, I would love that. I would take a, I know that's not sexy to everybody, but it's not. I, but I would take <laughs> yeah. I would take a like Luo Dang in his prime was a good he could play he could play the four today. And he, Hunter, a, he would be a four. Yeah, he would be a yeah. four. And he could his shooting got better, very smart player, like one of the best clue guys, great two way player. I would take that. Again, not a not a franchise savior, but if you have a really good team, yeah, I would I would take Luol Dang. I think there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah. There are and I think I think Pat probably shows a little better uh, shooting form and just a g- general, just a better three point shot in general. But yeah, I mean, the Luau Dane comp, the outcome of a Luau Dane at seven, or sorry, not seven, at four in the draft. I mean, I think that would be, that would be really, I mean, it'll be, it'll be good. I don't think I can't, I wouldn't really complain about it at all. He was an all star. Uh, yeah, you made a couple all-star teams. But I'll, I'll say this too, though. Uh, as far as the ceiling for this team is concerned, I, I think you probably want more than that just because I think when you are building this team with guys like DeMar and, and Lonzo and Vucevic and obviously with Zach, you have – a solid foundation where you can at least be a solid playoff team, maybe get to the second round a couple of times. And depending on matchups, depending on the year, maybe the Eastern conference finals. Um, I think then after that, you're kind of looking to see who can really take that next step to push them a little further. And I think probably that's where people's expectations for Pat comes into play where it's like, okay, we need him to be maybe uh, not Luau Dang, but maybe can he be Paul George? 
been said, right? They take that extra step forward. And obviously I'm not saying uh, that's what my expectations are because Paul George is, George is a damn good player and mm-hmm. a guy that probably is more of a 1A type, type of player in this league. But like I said, I think that's where it really comes into as far as people's expectations and wanting to see what his ceiling is. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And it, obviously, if he gets to that level, it it brings the Bulls to a completely different tier of, of team in the NBA. Uh, but I think that you just need for Pat, you just need him to show that he's on his way to being that. I think that, look, we have new management now who's a little bit more like, let's take some risks. And it wouldn't shock me at all if Pat continues to progress, but not at the point where he's really ready to like take a leap as a, championship level starting lineup member. I, like it wouldn't shock me if like he's got tremendous value around the league. And like, he was a guy that was the the main piece in a bring superstar X to, to Chicago as the final piece. Like that could, his development could bring that kind of side of the, of, you know, team building uh, to the bulls as well. So I, do I want that? No, I would love Pat to just develop into that guy for us, but we do have a couple of older guys and who knows how long the window is. And I would, it wouldn't shock me if, if Pat was a part of a bigger piece, because I think this, I think AK and, and Mark Eversley are, they're like, let's, let's be bold. And um, I don't know if that's this year, maybe it would, maybe it could be next year, but if Pat, you know, gets to a level where he's at either Luol Dang or you could see him one day being a Paul George. I don't know. Maybe that has tremendous value around the league for somebody that could really, really step in and help the Bulls. But uh, either way, if if he gets to either one of those levels, I think it's a, a, a monster success, especially considering, you know, the the draft that he came out of. The whole thing, it was a lot of people knew that there were going to be all these solid players, but there nobody knew if there were going to be any like high level players. So if you got either one of those outcomes, I think out of out of that spot, it's a home run. Either Paul George or Luol Deng, both of those guys would would be a home run for for coming out of that draft. Do you think he can real quick? Do you think that he can play a small ball center in spurts? I think that the responsibility of being a small ball center. And knowing how to quarterback that defense is you have to be on point, but physically the tools, he did it at Florida state. He's fully capable of doing it for sure. Especially, um, you know, he's, he's strong enough to bang with some of the guys who are going to be small ball centers. Um, maybe even a lot of regular, just starting centers in general, because especially too, how many centers like it, let's say you have Pat at the five, how many teams are going to be like, all right, time to get the ball to our big on the block and let him go to work in the post. Like how many teams are going to take advantage of that? There's, there's very few centers who are going to, you know, the numbers are going to make sense doing that. I think he can, I'm sure we'll see it this year at times. Um, how long he could survive there. That's the question, but I don't think you want him playing it in long stretches. I think you want it to be like, here's a new look to make the team just, absolutely murder you getting up and down the court. Um, but I don't think he has Draymond's mind yet as far as like how Draymond at small ball center was able to unlock everything. Cause he could, he just knew what was going to happen every possession on the court has not there. Hopefully this is a year he takes a little bit of elite understanding more 
what teams are doing. He's seen sets for every team. Um, but the center, you know, typically they're calling everything out. They're the most important player on the floor on defense. So if he can, if he takes a leap that way again, you know, upstairs, that's, that's going to allow him to, to do that. And, and, I think it would really help the team. I think the offense would be absolutely devastating with him at the five. Uh, but we'll see how, how long those spurts actually can happen before the Bulls defense kind of, you know, tumbles down a little bit. You know, before we move on here, I do want to get your thoughts on something. Is, is it been pretty interesting since the moves have happened? It's been pretty quiet on the Patrick Williams front, hasn't it? Like we haven't really seen a lot of him tapes out there of him working out and obviously that doesn't mean anything because you know people not everyone tapes their workouts but it's been very quiet in general right I feel like it's been like not a lot of talk about him doing this or that with other teammates meeting up with guys and working like I wonder like I almost wonder if he's having a Jimmy Butler type of offseason where he's like in the woods somewhere just <laughs> working hard no internet access and just like he doesn't even know what day it is he doesn't even know that training camp is three weeks away or two weeks away <laughs> like he's just working on his art uh, on his game in that regard so th- just your thoughts on that like that we've kind of since all the moves have happened we've not been as focused or not as focused as you said we have but the the news on Patrick Williams has not really been there honestly I'd be shocked if we were getting consistent like Patrick Williams workout videos and like he was you know little mixed 30 second clips of him working out that's not his personality you know that that was part of the reason that everybody like compared him to Kawhi. It wasn't even just the, the skill set and him going to work in the, in the mid range and, and the tools and the hands. It was like, he's a quiet dude who has that same demeanor. Um, so I'd be shocked if, even though he is young and social media is like, you know, it's the way you get your, the word out to, to the masses nowadays. He's just never like that. He wasn't like that at Florida state. Like he, he didn't have like these constant, like Instagram stories that were hyping you up. Um, and that's why it was shocking. I think when the buzz started becoming real that like Detroit's looking at him at seven, the bulls are maybe thinking about him at four. Like it was kind of like, Oh, that's weird. Came out of nowhere. Cause nobody had seen him really do much since he played his last game at Florida state. And at the time, this is the beginning this is lockdown quarantine, all that, the drafts getting pushed back. It had been so long and nobody really had new footage. So when he came, and uh, he got to the Bulls and like he was good right away. Everyone was like, "Oh, weird!" Like you know, there were a couple of workout videos with like Peyton Pritchard and whatever. Um, but yeah, it was shot. He's just not a big social media guy at this point of his career. Maybe he maybe he does. He turns into that at one point. But I'd have been shocked if there were all these workout videos with him because I think he just he's he's just quiet, regular dude in that regard. That's what a Kawhi comparison is going in. I mean, <laughs> we're, 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 give, it, give it 10 years and he'll be in a Drake video doing like one of those dances. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's switch gears here. Uh, get into the draft talk a little bit here because we always have to get your thoughts on the draft when you when you join us. Yeah. Uh, to, to start off, how, how did you see this draft playing out? Like, 
or not how did you see it playing out? What surprised you with how it played out uh, with some of these guys that ended up going at certain spots? What, what were some of your, like, wow, I can't believe that he got picked here? Or, oh, wow, I'm surprised that, you know, so-and-so player that I thought would go into the top 10 fell or vice versa, a guy that you thought would be more a mid-round to a, like 15 to 20 pick that kind of, you know, rose in to the top 10 or maybe became a pick that you did not see coming? Um, I mean, the biggest shock of the draft was Josh Primo in the lottery. Uh, when the Spurs took him, obviously, they the Spurs are always quiet. They don't leak anything. Um, he was a guy that I think everybody thought would be a lotto pick next year, but I think everybody thought this year he was going to be taken at the like very back end of the first round or in the second round. Um, but when he went 12, it was definitely like a, and I was in, I was at the Barclays center for the draft when that happened. I was like, Oh wow. Like the, the reaction in the arena was half shock because nobody knew who he was. And, um, just half shocked because nobody expected him to be taken that high. So I think that was the craziest pick in the draft. Um, I know teams did like him a lot from Intel I had, but I thought that was more like maybe he gets taken in the early twenties versus pick 12 over a bunch of guys who had a whole bunch of buzz. That was kind of crazy. I think everybody expected Jalen Suggs to go forth to the Raptors and Scotty Barnes obviously went there instead. Um, allowing Suggs to fall to Orlando. But there was a lot of buzz with Scotty. There was the hype train was strong with him. So it wasn't really as big a shock after the initial name was called. You were like, all right, that's you it's you could have predicted it just based on on all the the intel and the hype and um everything. Everybody loves Scotty Barnes. Nobody has, you know, a really a bad thing to say about him. Josh Giddy at the Thunder. I called that a couple of days before on a uh, on a podcast, so I wasn't like completely shocked that he jumped up. I thought he was the guy that would jump up really, really high if that were to happen. Um, I, I mean, I, I think the back end there wasn't really a ton that surprised me necessarily. Um, I, I think that all the guys who were taken in the back end were kind of guys that were projected to take be taken there. But definitely Primo was like the crazy one. Book Knight's fall kind of shocked me a little bit. Um, I think I, there was a lot of hype of him even getting selected at six, and he he dropped to the Hornets at 11. Uh, but uh, other than that, I, I think maybe Zaire Williams getting taken at 10. I, I, I wasn't shocked by it. I was not high on Zaire Williams at all this year. Um, so when he was taken at 10, I was like, all right, I get it. He was a you know, a a top five guy potentially coming in, had one of the worst college seasons of all time. Didn't pass the eye test for me. Wasn't really a fan even before the college season. So when he went 10, I was like, I get what they're doing, but don't love it. Uh, I thought he was going to at least drop to the back end of the lotto if, if anything, but yeah, there, it was the, the primo thing. That was the shocker for sure. Definitely. Let me get your thoughts on uh, uh, Davion Mitchell because that's been kind of your guy. That's how my guy. You, yeah, yeah. So how do you see his fit in Sacramento? Because it's interesting because they got a lot of matching skill sets with guys that are already on the team. Like you got you know, Darren Fox, who is an absolute stud. Uh, 
at at this point almost underrated in the league now. And you got Halley out there, Halliburton, who showed some nice things as a rookie. Uh, as far as his game, he almost looked like a veteran at times when when he was playing out there. Um, and obviously, the, the backcourt in general is so full. So how do you see him being able to fit into on that team? And where do you think he can make an impact? I mean, right away, defensively, he's gonna, he's the best defender in the backcourt right away. And, you know, we talked about Kobe and how much he struggles, like, with ball screens or whatever. Like, Davion Mitchell maybe is the most elite prospect I've ever seen at getting through and over screens. Um, Sacramento's a team that defensively is usually a train wreck, and I think they got, you know, the most impactful defensive guard in the draft. So what he brings different than some of the other guys, he's a guy that defensively, like, he'll make an impact on the floor without ever even having to score. So I, I love what they did there just from that aspect. I'm not sure what, if Buddy Heald is long for the team. I mean, they did pretty much almost trade him on draft night. I think they've been trying to trade him, but yeah. like, I think his contract is so, like it's one of those things that has been hard for them to move. And I, I don't think they're like so desperate to move him that they want to add on assets. Yeah. They're not going to give him away. Yeah. 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 Um, so it is crowded a little bit, but I think that Davion, even though he's, he's short and his wingspan, I mean, he's got a plus wingspan, but it's not like, you know, six ten or anything. Uh, I still think he's going to play multiple positions. You know, he, he was guarding one through three um, pretty consistently. And because he moves so well laterally, he's able to be basically wearing your Jersey. So it's almost like a boxer who doesn't have, you know, who's at a reach disadvantage, but when they close the gap, if they can get in there and play to their strengths, they can get their shots in. So I think he'll play whatever position is necessary in in the backcourt and even up to the three. And uh, he can play on or off the ball. And, you know, at, at Baylor, they ran three guard lineups. So he's used to not having the ball in his hands. He's used to having the ball in his hands too. And, I think that Darren Fox maybe is he can't have the ball in it. Uh, he he likes to have the ball in his hands. Maybe he's not as good off ball, but like Halliburton, his whole thing is he was a one and a half. He could play point guard when you need him to, and he could spot up play off the ball when you need him to. Davion's the same way. He could play on or off the ball. Whatever you whatever you need him to do, he could fit next to that um, that player. He's just a winning guy. He's a, he's a guy that maybe isn't going to have the sexiest offensive numbers given that there are four legitimate rotation players in that backcourt. Um, but I think his impact on the direction of that team is going to, is going to be big. Um, and, uh, I, I think that it was, it was the right pick. It was weird. Nobody expected it for sure, but I think he was definitely the best player available on my personal big board. So I, I have to think that they got great value, um, just based on that. And, uh, I mean, I, I loved what they've done in the draft recently. So, I mean, as much crap as the Kings get, uh, get, and believe me, after passing on Luca for Bagley, they deserve a, a lot of it. Cause you know, basically everything you do after that is moot for, uh, for a bunch of years, but they've, they've rebounded well enough, um, for that disaster to at least where I think they're getting real solid NBA players. They're going to start pushing them in the right direction. So, and we'll see who knows where obviously the Ben Simmons situation is still up in the air. I think they're going to be linked to Simmons for as long as Simmons is on the Sixers. 
Uh, and Mitchell could have a bigger opportunity if, if somebody in that backcourt ends up going to Philly, but, uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch him, man. I mean, he was everything that you wanted and more at the summer league, the guy, the intensity, the passion, the toughness, and the guy wins everywhere, man. It's, it's no shock that he won the NCAA title, won the summer league title. There was a chance that he would have won the NCAA title the year before during, you know, if, if there was a tournament. So He's just a, a guy that every team should love to have. And, um, you know, he was a, a poor free throw shooter. So everybody thought that he was bad, even though he kept winning. <laughs> <laughs> you always got to give some appreciation that he ha- actually has a legitimate nickname. I feel like that's rare, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> rare in today's <laughs> NBA generation where everything is your your initials and your jersey number. But he has a legitimate nickname that you could imagine someone saying at a park or in street balls, my yo, there goes off night. Like that's, yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. And, and t- the nickname off night is not like, you don't get that nickname because like you're a kind of a good defender, right? Like yeah. off night, you get that nickname because you're giving people the business on that end. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I love it. The, that nickname is, is real old school and uh, it's perfect for him. Yeah. L- let me ask you this. Cause one of the things that, at least in terms of Chicago Bulls fandom, was, you know, watching the second round pick that ended up becoming Iota Sumu. And one of the storylines on draft night was that Sharif Cooper was falling like a rock uh, throughout the draft. And he ended up going at 48 to Atlanta. And I feel like depending on who you talk to, it seemed like there was a consensus that he would at least go first round. So it was surprising that he was, he went that far. But what did you think of the Bulls taking Io, and what did you think of the fact that Sharif Cooper just dropped that far down? Because I think a lot of people were looking at, or at least Bulls fans were wondering, well, you know, take a flyer on Cooper, and it seemed like he just, again, continued to fall. So what were your thoughts on how all that played out? Yeah, I mean, I was, that was probably the most shocking thing, that he fell so far. I mean, it's so shocking that I forgot when we were talking about the draft of, like, things that surprised me. You know, like I had him at 10, uh, 10 on my board. Um, he had every bit of the passing numbers, like assist percentage, like all that stuff that Trey Young had in college. He got to the line eight and a half times a game, like more than Zion and Allen Iverson and like those guys in college. Um, the jump shot was obviously poor, but he shot nine free throws a game at over like 85% from the line. So like there's reason to believe that he was going to be able to develop it at some point. I kind of can't believe that he dropped to the second round uh, given and as far as he did. Was I disappointed the Bulls didn't take that shot? Definitely. I was a little bit more disappointed that the Bulls didn't take the chance on Jared Butler when he dropped. Um, but Jared Butler's thing was, you know, uh, a heart issue. So I think, you know, that's why he dropped. Otherwise, he would have been a first rounder. But at the time, I also had moved uh, Io into my first round on my final big board. So it's not like I think that the Bulls made some devastating decision. I loved what um, he brought. And his interview um, was one of the most impressive that I had seen in breaking down film. He's his IQ is really sky high the way that he reads the game and he improved in college every year. Like he's, that's what you want. Like guys who stay in college, you want to see them get better. You want to see things slow down and you want to see like how they read the game. And 
he he's he's a, he's just going to play hard, do the right thing, and maybe just maybe if he could stay healthy, he'll kind of be a less offensive version of what Bulls fans initially thought they were getting out of Chris Dunn. I think that, you know, when we first got maybe, maybe after Dunn's rookie year, we had a little bit more realistic expectations, but Dunn coming into the league was kind of looked at as like a, <laughs> a high potential offensive player as well. But I think that he could maybe play a similar role as a guy who's never going to be like the best shooter ever, but could cause mayhem on defense, guard multiple positions, push the pace and get into the teeth of, uh, of the defense and make plays. So hopefully he can kind of give us a little bit of what Dunn gave us when he was, um, you know, kind of healthy. Yeah, that that's going to be obviously another part of the future for the Bulls as far as what they can get out of Io. Another Bulls adjacent um, player I want to ask you about where Orlando ended up getting the ace pick because of the Vooch trade. Um, and after they took Jalen Suggs, which I think that was like an amazing outcome for them because that's they needed that point guard, someone that can kind of take the reins. Obviously, Cole Anthony showed some things, but I think Cole Anthony is probably more of a scoring guard more so than a guy that you can give the ball to as far as an initiator is concerned. But do, do you think Franz Wagner was a, a solid outcome for them at eight or – do you think that maybe they could have gone elsewhere and maybe they kind of missed somebody that would have been a better, better get? Definitely solid outcome. Not the guy I would have taken. Franz is going to be good. He's one of the safest players in the draft. He is the actual prototypical like Garpax pick. If we had that pick and we took Franz, like that's who they would have taken as well. Is Matt um, Lloyd still with them? <laughs> <laughs> I had him at like 17th uh, on my board. Um, but he is going to be a really good player. He does everything well. The advanced analytics are going to love him. Uh, who knows what's going to go on with Jonathan Isaac and his health and can he ever stay on the floor? Um, I think that you put him next to like Wendell and and maybe Mo Bamba if you know, he's going to stay in Orlando. Um, I think he could play off of them. He's He's huge i think he's even like there's rumors he might be like 6 10 6 11 um and you know he he's just really smart he could run some pick and roll the shot's not like he's not knocked down but he could definitely stretch the floor a little bit high iq guy really boring gonna gonna impact winning on on a good team somewhere down the line maybe it'll be orlando cuz i think suggs is that good uh but maybe it'll be elsewhere but if you're looking for flash, you know, he's, he was not the pick. I, I would have went elsewhere. I understand why the magic took him. They might be at the point where they just want guys who they know are going to be good and aren't necessarily taking like chances on higher upside. Yeah. When, when I look at that pick, they took Wagner over Davion book Knight. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, even like I was a big Shengun guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe I end up being a little too high on him in the draft. Um, I would have taken Shengun over him, uh, even with their their big man situation there. Uh, I mean, you got like you had Kispert there, who would have played really well off of Suggs, as we already know. 
Um, I mean, Trey Murphy, I was like head over heels for who's just as safe of a pick. And I think safer in the fact that he's going to be like an elite shooter. Um, there are, there are a ton of directions they could have gone again. I get it. Franz is definitely going to be better than a lot of guys that are taken after him. He might be better than a couple of guys taken before him. Uh, but he's not sexy at all. Let me, so let me ask you this about the upcoming draft in 2022 and the bulls, Currently, at least, we don't know what's going to happen with this investigation with tampering. So we don't know if they <laughs> will lose a pick or whatever. But the Bulls will currently have their pick and they will have Portland's pick that falls outside the top 14, I think. I, I can't remember. Yeah, it's lot of, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, so outside so. the top 14. Yep. So that Portland should be good enough to where that pick conveys. So they'll have two picks. What do you think about this upcoming draft in terms of quality? And can you give me a player that you think has caught your eye as being the most interesting in the draft, even if it's not someone that's in the bulls range. Yeah. So I've, I'm like deep into the top four. Like I watched like a ridiculous amount of high school games, which is the absolute worst. Like high school (laughs) games are just terrible. Like AAU, there's literally nothing. I just like watching more. Um, And then uh, I'm like pretty solid on most of the guys in the top 10. It's going to be a really interesting class. The top three guys are legitimately, I think, guys that could all go number one overall. Uh, Chet Holmgren, I just wrote about, and uh, and I did a, a preseason breakdown on him as well on my YouTube channel. I mean, the guy is the, he's just preposterous to look at. He's seven foot, seven six wingspan. He's a very listed at a very generous one hundred and ninety five pounds. I think he's going to get a lot of Porzingis comps. Uh, Paulo Boncaro at Duke is he looks like he's, I don't know, 27 years old. He's just physically, he's an absolute monster. Um, kind of reminds me of like less bouncy Blake Griffin, you know, could pass, can shoot it off the bounce a little bit, you know, uh, is going to be able to defend maybe all five positions. If, if he's dialed in, uh, he's playing with, uh, Adrian Griffin jr who's another just absolute physical monster kind of looks a lot on the court, like Jimmy Butler, Patrick Baldwin jr. Who was going to go to Duke or was being recruited by Duke, but went to play for his dad and a mid major um, in Milwaukee. And, and he's so smooth. He was on the under 19 team. And then my favorite guy in the draft is Jaden Hardy. This dude He's like a mix of like Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum. He's got the craziest pull-up jumper I've ever seen from a kid his age. He shoots it effortlessly multiple times a game from like logo range. And I'm not sure after watching how many games I've watched with him, if I've ever seen him hit the rim, like his shot is absurd. His shot making ability. Like if, if people are going to enjoy watching Jalen green, um, as a shot maker, they're going to like be out of their mind about, uh, Jaden Hardy. Cause I think at the same age, he's a, even a crazier shot maker. He doesn't have the same explosiveness and the same bounce. Um, but as a shot maker at every level on the floor, he's got all the stuff, um, green hat and more. I can't wait to watch him. I don't know if he'll get as much buzz because like Jalen green, he's going to play for the G league ignite this year. Um, but man, talk about a guy that I just, every time I, I I get to watch him, I'm just enamored by him. I, 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 Right now, he's my preseason number one. Is he the is he the only player uh, 
or like highly like touted prospect that's going to be on the Ignite this year? Yeah, in the top, at least in the top ten. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me ask you about uh, Imani Bates. How do you see him playing out as far as he's going to be in Memphis for next season? Do you do you see him? maybe going into like the G league the year after that, or do you see probably him being a guy that stays in college for six seasons? So I think this is going to be hard to answer because I don't know how much money he's going to make with the NIL stuff at Memphis. I think that he's going to be on TV all the time because he's playing alongside uh, Jalen Duran, who is another guy who could potentially be a top five pick. So they're going to have a lot of national TV games. You got Penny and Sheed on the coaching staff. So I think that Bates has an opportunity to make an absolutely absurd amount of money um, through NIL. And I don't know if he'll be able to make that same money with the G League Ignite next year. So I think that the G League would have to start paying a little bit more because I think that this kid's going to make over a million dollars this year um, playing the college season. You know, he's been on magazine covers, had his games on ESPN. And if he comes out of the gate and he's actually putting up like real numbers, then I think he's going to make just absurd amounts of money and good for him. It's about time. Right. You know, so, and, and Memphis is going to, they should be good, you know? So like you put this kid with a deep run, it's like the first time that I'm thinking like, wow, like maybe, you get a guy who does stay in college for a couple of years. You know, he's that level of like fame where people know his name, even if you're kind of like a casual, right. you know, draft guy or whatever, like, you know, his name. Cause he's been in, in your face for a while. A uh, couple of months earlier, he'd be in this class if he was born a couple of months earlier, but he, he, he's, he can't come out, but the spotlight's going to be on him because there is a top pick on his team. He's just a famous, famous kid. And uh, the storylines will be there. So it, I, if he's not great <laughs> this year, maybe maybe he goes to the G League. I don't know. But if he's if he lives up to the hype, then I I could actually see him staying, this, which is crazy to think. This nil thing is a game changer because, like, could you imagine if someone like Zion or LeBron yeah. and like they would have cleaned up? Like I could. I mean, I, I could be talking out of my ass here, but like, I think someone like Zion could have made upwards of maybe like five or ten million. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, man. Like, that's crazy. Obama came to watch Zion play. Yeah, right. That's nuts. you know, like Zion was legitimately like pop culture star. You know, like, uh, and that's what I'm saying. Like, Bates isn't. At, I don't think Bates will be at that level. You know, he doesn't have the bounce to like kind of captivate your just like random like uh house of highlights mm. post consistently. Um, but he is a guy that can make a ton of money. And uh, that's why this, it is such a game changer. It's about time. It's not even enough. They should be getting paid by the, by the teams in the first place. Um, but for the first time, I'm like, wow, like this is a kid you could see in college for a couple of years. And I think that there's going to be a lot of players that, actually stay in college even the guys that like could maybe net maybe yeah. like if you're some second rounders mm-hmm. you know like they're gonna be like hey maybe i'll just stay in college because yeah like fighting for an nba contract will be great but like i'm uh i'm gonna be a junior i'm ingrained in the community and i can make 
more than I would make on as a, you know, on a second round contract possibly this year, just by being a part of, you know, uh, the Ohio state program or what, you know what I mean? So it's, I think it is going to be a really, really interesting process to, to watch out for the next couple of years. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, uh, where was I going to go with this? So basically really the only thing that could compete with the NIL is eliminating the one and done rule because the G league is never like, if you're a really, really good prospect and I'm not even going to say like a LeBron or Zion's here, but like, let's say you're the next level, like an Amani Bates, then the only way the, to compete with that is eliminating the one and done rule because you're going to make too much money as a freshman in college. And yeah, th- like that would really be the only way, right? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Cause and, and some of these kids might make, you know, similar money if they went mm. to college. Like you said, if Zion Duke versus his rookie year, he might even make similar money. It's just like, how quick can you get to the second contract at that point? Right. Um, or if it's like, if the, if, you don't want to go to a certain team. Like if, right. if there's a really, really <laughs> awful franchise who has the number one pick that year, and you're like, eh, I'd rather go to Duke and party and make millions for one year. Then let's, we'll see what happens. After yeah. That. <laughs> I, it, I, I bet that at some point we see that scenario unfold. Mm. That's really, that is really interesting. A lot of these college athletes are going to have some really I mean, tough but great decisions to make where it's like, man, yeah. I, where will I go to make millions of dollars first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, it might take a few years until we get that. Just that like absolutely generational, no question, no doubt about it yeah. kind of guy. That's going to be But nuts. it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to be insane for whenever the next Zion happens where it's just a pay-per-view player and – they're basically going to be able to just call their shot where, oh man, that's going to be, that's going to be really interesting historically. I mean, I, there's so many, av- like imagine Zion, like he'd be doing sponsored Instagram posts yeah, for like a hundred thousand a post. Like if he was at Duke with NIL rules, like he'd, <laughs> I can't even fathom how much money they truly could have made uh, doing this. You know, like one of, one of these guys is coming along and it's going to be, it's going to be a business decision. Like, is it even worth it? <laughs> These guys could be in a McDonald's right. commercial or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> the, the Zion meal or something. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. 100%. Corey, let, let me ask you this as we get wrapped up here. Uh, one more last question on the 2022 draft. Uh, I think the top two guys right now are probably Paolo uh, Banchero. I'm sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. I, I, Boncaro. Boncaro. Okay. Yep. And then Chet Holgren is probably the second guy I would say, how would you compare those two to recent drafts as far as like the top two guys would be concerned as far as prospects? So comparing Boncaro and Holgram to this year's top Maybe two? Maybe like this year's top two or even recent years top two, like guys that are um, like kind of maybe a, like a top heavy draft, yeah. maybe um, prospects that are coming in or teams that are like, oh, we need to get this guy. I think they're they're going to be just based on their high school resume. I think they're up there with most classes. I don't think either one of those guys are Zion level, you know, okay. keeping with the trend. I don't um but I think that they're definitely 
two guys that are going to be like, Hey, we need to start throwing the towel in a little bit early. You know, Boncaro again, like this dude is, he's a, he is a monster, you know, like just, uh, he's, he's gotta be like two fifty right now, like six ten, <laughs> and oh, wow. with, with some guard skills, like he handle, he can run, pick and roll. He could hit this shot when you go under again, like defensively, he moves his feet well enough to stay with guards and he can come over and protect the rim from the weak side. It's all going to be about like his effort level on that end. Um, and Chet, like he's coming off winning MVP of the under 19 team, uh, for the USA team in, in the FIBA tournament, he can legitimately stretch the floor at his height. He, you know, there's a lot of people asking, is he more Kevin Durant? than like Porzingis. I personally don't think so, but we're going to see when he plays at Gonzaga, he's going to be on a lot of late night national TV games there. Um, he's playing next to Drew Timmy, who's much more comfortable inside. So his game compliments him. They're going to win a ton. He'll probably have a tournament run. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that are like, this is the unicorn big man who's going to change, you know, the course of the franchise with his combination of offense and, and rim protection. And like, he could pretty much play drop coverage and be below the free throw line and still contest shooters. That's how long his arms are. So <laughs> he's, I think that definitely because of those two guys. And again, I think Jaden Hardy is just going to come out and people are gonna be like, Holy crap. This kid is going to be a 30 point per game score in the league. Mm. Yeah. Hol- nice, Holgren, nice. Holgren always like in the, in the clips, he always just looks like insanely like real thing. I'm just like, oh my yeah, god, he's, 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 he's 195. 195. Oh my, lord. I don't know. He, he's the right. favorite. He's the favorite for like uh, pre pre draft game thirty pounds of muscle. You know, he's that's that's definitely going to be a story that comes out where he like kind of looks jacked in a picture and yeah. his agent is leaking how much weight he's gained. Dude, just needs to eat Chipotle yeah. for like every single meal for like the next yeah. like five months. <laughs> I, I was glad to see a little bit of him in the under-19 games. I, I saw some clips of him in high school and like, I didn't know what to take away from it because he was like so much bigger and yeah. more talented than everyone in high school. So it's like, how much can you really, you know, get from watching these kids in high school? And that's going to be, I don't like, I don't foresee the NBA taking away the one and done rule. I I think they're gonna keep it. I I just feel like they they probably have more benefit to them to try to get these guys to the G League yeah. or entice them to go to the G League because it kind of builds up that avenue of, of their um this is supposed I'm to sure. this is supposed to be the like double draft, right? The twenty twenty two or the twenty twenty three. Yeah, it was supposed yeah. to be the twenty twenty three three well at at one point it was a 21 and then it got pushed to 22 and then it slowly keeps getting pushed but it's like i don't i don't know when i i just don't know if the nba will ever get rid of the one and done rule yeah i don't think it's a priority anymore uh you know once covid happened it was like all right this is well on the back burner of things we have to figure out business wise um right and now you know you have the nil rule you have in high school you have the overtime league that's coming Right. And then you have the G league. And I think with this overtime league, all these kids, like they're still not going to be old enough to go straight out of high school to the draft. They're still going to have to be a year removed. So, but I bet the, the, the overtime league is going to funnel into the G league and these kids are going to have years of pro experience already at that point. And who knows, like maybe they're going to need at one point to add another G league, you know, uh, elite team 
to the mix. Um, and it just expands that way for these kids rather than, you know, them getting rid of the one and done rule. And I think that the G league continues to gain in popularity, at least like people are now more willing to watch any kind of basketball there is, uh, they're expanding. I think this, uh, I don't know if it's this year or next year, like every team will have their own team. Yeah. I think Denver Um, just added their own team. So I think that's pretty much everyone. So, uh, I think that, you know, the G league is going to, I don't know how soon it'll happen. I think they'll start paying the players more money. I think the elite program is going to have to compete with the NIL. So they'll probably start playing, paying the elite prospects a little bit more money. Um, it's good. There's going to be more money involved everywhere eventually, but, uh, it's the whole thing is like, it's going to be unpredictable and crazy. And, uh, you know, it'll be fun to watch go down. I think it's beneficial to the to NBA teams too because they they get a better scouting on these guys because it's yeah. kind of like I said it's hard to scout guys in high school like you think this guy's an absolute beast and a stud but he's going against guys that are just you know going to be like going to college just to you know major in like philosophy or something I don't know right. but like <laughs> not not to diss philosophy majors I'm just like kind of <laughs> saying. And, you know, they're, they're, these guys aren't future ballers. They're just like, you know, on their high school basketball team. And then Chet Holgram's just making them look like little nothings, you know, yeah, kind of like, like, like Chris Bosh in that <laughs> Parks and Rec. <laughs> when he's dunking on the guy, I'm better than uh, uh, French flute too, Eric, or whatever he says. <laughs> like, no, but, but, you know, yeah, it, I think it's beneficial for everyone involved where I think this one and done rule is not going to ever go away. So we'll see. We'll see. But Corey, thank you so much as always. It's it's so awesome having you on. Um, Please plug everything that you're doing. um, As far as I know your magazine, I don't know if you have copies left. Um, I'd be surprised if you do, because that thing is really awesome. Um, But yeah, let us, let our listeners know uh, where they can find you, where everything that you're doing is uh, up at. Uh, yeah. So first, uh, you can go to my Twitter at the hardwood mag. Um, you'll find pretty much all the links, you know, that you need to there. Um, if you want to get, you know, an early jump on draft stuff and and scouting breakdowns of, of these kids coming into the college season, you can subscribe to my YouTube, uh, the hardwood Herald. Uh, we're still doing pretty much weekly episodes of the draft act podcast, breaking down, you know, all these kids in audio format as well. Um, so subscribe to the, the draft act podcast and, uh, yeah, the magazine, you can find the link. We still have, I still have some copies, um, available and actually, you know, the season hasn't started yet. It's NBA focused. Um, a lot of good interviews in there as well. And, uh, so pretty much everything still holds up, um, until the next season started. So you can, uh, you can find the link to that as, as well on, um, on my Twitter and, actually going uh getting a little zoom meeting after after we get off here where i'm gonna kind of get on with a bunch of draft guys we're gonna come out nice. together and, and kind of put together a a place where we can all get our writings out um nice. so we're, we're looking to take the the writing and a lot of this draft stuff to the next level this year uh if a bunch of guys that um if you're on nba twitter or draft twitter you'll be familiar with that's going to be great and uh yeah i'm putting out some some merch stuff soon uh, i've been teasing it online and uh that that'll that'll be on my twitter as well 
You know what I want to get uh, that's yours. Uh, I, I don't know if you still have your your uh, one website up, but like the the Bart Simpson socks. Those I, <laughs> I love the funky socks, and I, I saw you had those on there, and I've been meaning to cop those, but I just like I, I, I'm, I'm probably gonna invest in those soon here. I think those are I think those are actually sold out. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to run. I used to run a um like a skate streetwear brand. Um, yeah. For a while, so, uh, but you'll be seeing a lot of similar stylistic stuff when I start putting out my merch for for the hardwood. Yeah, I got it. I'm definitely doing that because I like a lot of that those funky designs, especially when I'm wearing socks. I like, I I, I hate white socks, so I yeah. don't like wear those at all. I think they're just boring. But I, I like I like changing it up with with that concern. But again, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And uh, Edward, any final thoughts as we're getting uh, ready to finish here? Yeah, thank you. thanks again to Corey for uh, dropping by again. Every time we talk to Corey, he's got so much more going on than the last episode. <laughs> so he's always grinding out here and always got to keep up with his draft videos. They remain like crazy informative. The graphics are always unique with the colors, just stylish, extremely informative. So, yeah, I'm always going to be keep, keeping up with that. But, uh, yeah, uh, just again, thank you to Corey for uh, dropping by. And, uh, yeah, let's see uh, what else uh, happens uh, with the Bulls uh, leading up to training camp these next couple of weeks. All right, so, yeah, Corey's my draft guy. So that's sometimes mm-hmm. the only college stuff I watch is Corey's video. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd recommend that. I, I learn a lot. As someone who's like a draft novice, I, I learn a lot watching Corey's videos. But yeah, that's definitely a wrap for today's show. If you missed any previous episodes, you can find us under the Barroom Network on all major and minor podcast platforms. Thank you again to Corey Chalaba for joining us and to the listeners for tuning in. As always, for Edward Schuler and myself, till next time, Bulls fans, 